This is the Lattice Training Podcast, where we bring you the best in climbing performance and training from the world's elite athletes, thought leaders, and coaches. Hello, everyone. I hope you're doing very well today, wherever you are around the world, and you've either got a climbing session or training session or potentially some some rest planned. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that most of us are, well, I know most of us are pretty psyched on climbing and resting is not always the easiest thing to do. But remember, it is part of the equation and you, you do have to do it. It's that yin and yang of performance. Today, I've got another solo, not rant, but a solo education podcast, which is all about power endurance training or climbing. And when I say power endurance, you could swap that out for strength endurance or aerobic power, but all of those sit in that same kind of circle. And what I'm going to do is in a two-parter, I'm going to go through and I'm going to break down what I think are the main areas that people get wrong, ignore or misinterpret in terms of training and performance in this particular area. So you will have, hopefully, you've noticed that we did one on endurance training, and you can find that on our podcast in previous episodes. But this one is power endurance. I'm going to break it down, those same sections of technical, technical and tactical, I guess, psychological and physical. So those three big areas which really impact climbing performance, but also can be informed by the training that you do or the preparation that you do before you try to perform. Quick sort of, um, not news uh, shot, but uh, heads up is if you want to have frequent insights into the stuff that we're doing on our podcast, our YouTube, or even discounts and offers that we generally do once every week, maybe every two weeks, is make sure that you sign up to our newsletter because you'll get a, a weekly newsletter. You can find it on our website under lastestraining.com forward slash newsletter. And if you just go over there, we'll send you an email every single week. It's not spammy. It's not full of rubbish. It's stuff that we think is useful and hopefully gives you a few deals as well. Anyway, let's get into the episode. This is part one. And on this one, we're going to look at the specificity element of power endurance training and you'll know that I go on about the element of specificity a lot it it is really really important it's not the only element in training preparation or performance but it's one that if you respect it and you really dial in that aspect of how you approach performance you will have so many wins and it comes on multiple levels really all the way across that technical psychological and physical approach in terms of your preparation and the big reason why specificity works is that the more specific you get with your preparation your training the more that you're matching up to the demands of your goal and the thing that you're trying to do so if you want to be a world-class sprinter, a low specificity exercise or preparation would be to do pull-ups. It's just got very little to do with being a sprinter. And likewise, if you want to be a world-class climber, doing some kind of 
squat exercise, although it has some element element of relativity or relevance, then it's just not going to have the same kind of transfer. So when you're dealing with this element of specificity, you've got to look primarily at the demands of the goal. And this is kind of like the foundation of this whole principle to getting it right. And it's something that I've done well, I think, over the years. I've done it a lot with Pete, who I climb with, and we've climbed 10 plus years, uh, tried to do lots of different goals in the UK, Europe, abroad, etc. And what we're doing is we're breaking down and understanding what does the goal demand of you? And that can be broken down itself, even into those technical, psychological and physical aspects. So that is the first thing that you must, must do. All this specificity stuff is somewhat not useless, but it lacks its return on investment unless you do that first task. So get a piece of paper out, a pen and start understanding and breaking down the demands of your goal. And when it comes down to that specificity element, we're going to start with technicals, the technical parts of it. Then we're going to move on to the psychological and then we're going to move on to the physical. All of them have their part to play. I wouldn't say that any are more important than others, much in the way that this comes down to any part of your climbing training preparation. I know at Lattice, we're very focused on physical training. We're known for all of our uh, data data and um, performance metrics, et cetera. But as coaches in an organization, we, we take a rounded approach and that's why we enjoy working with people one-to-one in a more detailed manner. So technical, the first thing is, is to understand and know the rock type and the movement required for that. And what I mean by this is people will often have a goal, which is on sandstone, for example, and they're going to go on a trip, whether it's abroad or locally, and then they will train their power endurance. And we're talking specifically about here about power endurance. They'll train it all on plastic, for example, or they'll train it all on limestone before going on this trip. And you're going to really lose out on an element of understanding how to move on that particular rock type, the nuances of the shapes of the rock, the friction, the amount of sort of aggressive versus very passive style of climbing approach that you might take on it. And then the types of moves that come up on that particular rock type. So if you're going off to do a sandstone project at the end of the season, for example, is I'd really encourage you that in your preparation stage, even if you can only get to plastic and get to limestone most of the time, take a few trips just out of your way to go and spend some time on sandstone as well and start to actually climb hard and do power endurance efforts on sandstone so you understand it. Linked in with that is the repertoire of moves and the degree of efficiency that you have on those as well. It's so common that you look across different rock types and they will have a bigger split or emphasis on certain styles of movements. And if you miss that out on your power endurance training, you basically miss out half of the equation. It's like going, oh, I'll climb on really steep terrain on limestone for my entire preparation period. 
And then you go and try and do a parangence route that's on vertical terrain where you're moving in a very different manner. You've got loads of rockovers, loads of strain, stress load on the lower body, but you haven't trained it and you'll feel awful. You just won't be able to transfer it over. So that repertoire of moves is very important and the efficiency within those moves as well, particularly in that power endurance zone, because power endurance is really about refining that endurance and strength into a sweet spot where you can perform to the demands of the goal. And then lastly is learning how to climb well, both fast and slow at your grade and how you use a technique or use your technique efficiently, fast and slow. This is kind of a bit of an underrated thing because I see a lot of people just learn how to climb slow or, or whatever isn't comes natural to you, but then they fail to address the, the sheer fact that the demands of projects and goals often mean that you have to sometimes climb very delicately, slowly, very cautiously, but other times you have to climb quite aggressively and quite fast. And if you don't refine your technique to do that, it's another missing element to that performance pie. You've got to, you've got to have a look at it. And I really, really recommend that time spent doing that will pay off well. If you're an engineer or a scientist, you love Formula One, you love cycling, you love learning about how new technologies are changing the world around us, then I thought you may want to listen in to my new podcast, the Neil Ashton Podcast. We talk to leading engineers and scientists from around the world, hear about their life stories, hear about new technologies, and hopefully educate you and give you a better sense of how key things like machine learning, artificial intelligence, supercomputing are changing the world around us. If that sounds like it's something you might like, you should come and have a listen. Next section is the psychological approach to power endurance training. The biggest one, I think probably from a training perspective that people fail to do is learning how to try hard. And this one you can't solve in like a month, three months even. I would almost say it's a lifetime skill and a lifetime spectrum of learning how to access and get comfortable and perform in that try-hard zone. And when I say and perform in the try-hard zone, I see people get into the part where they're really starting to struggle, grimace, teeth are out, really trying hard, and the performance elements goes. They can still climb and shake away through it and look really sketchy, but they can't actually perform well. And it's a thing that comes with time and refinement. Some of the people out there that I know who've climbed the most years and are really, really experienced veteran climbers are very, very good at this because they've spent a huge amount of time in that try hard zone. So they're very well refined. Coupled up with that is learning to relax and rest with your power endurance training or preparation. So the relaxation is not over gripping for the demands of your goal. So if you've got your strength into a really good position when you're preparing for your trip or your project, you probably, in fact, I'm not going to say probably, you should have a degree of strength which is above the demands of the goal because you're going to be arriving some of the crux sequences carrying a level of fatigue. 
So learning to relax your grip exactly to the, to the demands of the move or to the route is again, really key. You over grip and you don't relax enough, then you're going to end up not getting up stuff as hard as you want to. And it's also about resting and how to calm down, calm the mind down, recoup and get yourself in a really good mental position on those routes as well. One tactic or tool that I use quite a bit, and I like outdoor route climbers to do this quite a bit, is when you're doing your power endurance training is get into knee bar rests and really good rest positions when you're doing your power endurance training because you learn how to relax in that position and really get everything back because it's stressful being at your limit. You've just done a circuit of 30 moves and you're just pumped out of your mind. Then you get into your knee bar, taking three, four, sometimes a bit longer minutes in that rest to then go back and try and see how far you can get through that next 30 moves again is a very interesting exercise. And I promise you by doing that, you will see big improvements in your climbing and ultimately your grade. Another psychological part or another equation to this is the chalking up ratio. I think that when I watch people train, they're pretty good at not overly chalking up when they're down the wall, when they're very comfortable and they've inevitably learned to relax because they're familiar with that environment. But see them go outside on that Red Point project or that on-site. My goodness, chalking goes up big time. I mean, just go to the crag, watch people chalking up versus go down to the wall or on a circuit board and watch people chalking up. You can see there's a big, big difference there. And arguably, I don't think there's any difference in the amount of chalk on holds indoors versus outdoors. I think it, it's a psychological issue and something that it should be addressed. And you'll see a return from looking at climbing with less chalking up and changing up that frequency. <clears throat> Another element is recognizing the terrain. And when you get onto an overhang or you get onto a slab or an arete, your mind is going to be processing all the, envi the environmental inf information around you. And if you have, during your preparation or training, not spent time on an arete, for example, is when you get a project, your mind's going, whoa, this is interesting. This is new. I don't recognize this. I'm not 100% sure about the body positions. I'm not quite sure about how I'm falling. I'm not quite sure about whether you do long moves, short moves, how much body tension to use. There's basically lots and lots of information processing, which isn't now automate, automated. So you want to respect and obey that kind of principle of specificity in terms of the terrain type, because that recognition and familiarity of that environment and ultimately the psychological performance that you have really improves by addressing that factor. Lastly, and it's one that we've talked about quite a bit on podcasts. Um, in fact, there's at least two that I've done with Maddie on this podcast around falling and heights, but it's a big factor and you want to address this in your preparation for those power endurance routes. I won't say too much on this because it's a really big topic and we have discussed it quite a bit, but go and listen to those episodes and don't ignore that factor. Last section, the big one for many of you listening, is the physical or physiological 
aspect of power endurance training. The first one is related to what we've seen in endurance training, and it comes down to pace and speed of climbing, that contraction and relaxation ratio. If you're doing your power endurance training at a speed of one move per three seconds, which is actually a pretty fast rate of climbing, and then you go onto your red point project or your on-site and you have a one move per 10 seconds, it's a very, very different performance or physiological demand because you'll know this from doing your repeaters, for example, on a fingerboard, is there's a significant difference between doing three on, one off, three on, one off to seven on, one off or 10 on, three off. There's a huge, huge difference in terms of that intermittent recovery that you get. And from a physiological point of view, the the mechanisms that occur in the muscle and the production of ATP and the dealing with the metabolites is going to be affected to a greater degree by this factor. So pay attention to it and think about how you're pacing according to the demands of your goal that you have. It's not to say that you have to do every pacing or every speed in your training, but think about the specificity element and how that relates to your goal. Next up is size, hold size this is. And if you think about holding a jug versus a sloper versus a 40 mil flatty versus a 20 mil edge versus a 10 mil, eight mil micro, the muscle activation across the forearm, thumb, and to some degree, the hand as well, is quite different. And if you haven't thought about the hold sizes and types of holds that you have on your route, and then address those in a specific manner back in your training, you're going to find things harder. It's really common for me to watch people climb on, again, a wall indoors, whether it's a moon board or a system board or inside and just spend all of their time on 20 mil, 30 mil flatties. And then they go on a trip and they're in this really big, steep cave on everything being at least 50 mil flat or, or bigger or jugs. And they're pumped out of their minds and they feel like their power endurance training hasn't worked. And this is one of their real downfalls on it. I think there's other elements uh, tied in with that as well, especially kind of stuff around recognizing the train and learning to relax and the movement skills associated with that very different train. But there is certainly something to be had about the hold size and hold shape. So pay attention. Also, another thing which is really important is the emphasis on your core, back, legs, etc for certain types of routes and the demands of your goal versus your training. Really think about whether your core, lower back, upper back, legs are adequately conditioned for the demands of your goal. This isn't a sort of generalized approach where you take training when it comes to power endurance, where you're really refining everything down and bringing and honing it into that little polished diamond exactly for your project. This isn't 
an exercise where you just train everything randomly really hard or just go at it at 100 miles an hour this is a pinpointed precision like you're like a surgeon in terms of your training and your preparation you've got to be thinking about what does this route this project demand of me and that can be a long boulder as well because remember that power endurance strength endurance aspect or um spectrum sits in those long boulders so boulders i'm not ignoring you I know I default often to talking about root climbing because I'm a root climber, but this very much sits up in those uh, long boulder uh, spectrum as well. Skin discomfort is another important thing. Again, this comes up on my list because I'm a crack climber, but it also relates to pockets and relates to really small, sharp edges. Conditioning of the skin itself and then the conditioning of your pain threshold, nerves, and to some respect, deadening them is an important aspect within preparation for power endurance. I see it with clients quite often with the pocket style routes. So if you're going to Margalef, as you train on loads of flat edges, nice comfy things indoors, wooden holds on your board, and then three days into your trip, the size of your fingers and those padded fleshy areas between the joints are just killing because you have no conditioning of the skin and your your nerves are so sensitive to the pressure and loading on your soft tissues there and i'm not saying that you should ignore pain but i am saying that there is a level of conditioning that you can do here to control for that discomfort and i know this from many many years of climbing that if you are in too much discomfort in terms of that skin and aggravation of the uh, flesh in hands, fingers, wrist, um, if you're doing some crack climbing as well, is too high. You just can't climb at your limit. And it's really frustrating. You think, oh, I'll just ignore it. I'll just pull harder. And you can't. And for me, I take around one month, I would say, to appropriately condition the skin, that discomfort element. I'll go down the cellar minimum four weeks before I go on a trip because despite having done this for years and years, the backs of my hands are still really sensitive. If I stop doing any sort of crack climbing for a month, same for pockets, stop doing it for a month. They, they feel really sensitive again. And I have to go back through that whole process. Lastly, and this is a big one and sorry, I've left this right till the end, but you must make sure that the intensity and the volume and the continuous nature of the moves is replicated in your training. So think about the demands of your goal. How high is the intensity on that project in terms of maximal moves and how that relates to your maximum and boulder grade? You're going to be doing yourself a disservice if you train to be overly strong, or again, I mean, it's kind of obvious, train to be overly weak. Same again for volume or duration. Are you training your interval sets at four minutes every time and going all out, but your project takes you 12 minutes? This is going to not result in the outcome that you want. Again, the continuity of the route is also very important. Is it two minutes followed by a break of 30 seconds, followed by six minutes, followed by a break? Or is it actually a stamina plod nonstop? for 15 or 20 minutes. 
really paying attention to that, getting it down on paper and understanding the demands of your goal and your project is going to impact your training. Because if you obey that law of specificity, you're going to come back and you're going to plan and structure your training so that it looks increasingly like your project. Because the more specific you are, the better return you have. It's like that concept of if you trained on a replica, an exact replica of your Boulder project or trad route or your sport route for eight weeks before going on a trip, guess what? You do pretty well. I know there's other elements in there that are ignored in this, but that approach, because it has a high degree of specificity, will have a high return on investment. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and you've got something out of that technical aspects, psychological aspects, physical aspects. It's kind of quite a long one because there's a lot when it comes to refining the power endurance for the demands of your goal. But the next episode I'm going to do a part two is going to be all about the timing element. And this is another really big one that people forget or don't quite get right. So I will catch you again on this channel very soon i'm sure and don't forget to subscribe to the newsletter you can get all the updates on stuff that we're doing at lattice throughout the week and hope you have a good day